On this episode, Scabby the Rat. Get a little scabby first. Different size ones, huh? Yep. A familiar sight at union protests. Morning, how are you, man? Is at the center of a legal battle amid challenges by the National Labor Relations Board. But this is about far more than trying to outlaw a powerful tool for organized labor. This case could have far-reaching implications. For the New York State AFL-CIO, I'm Darcy Wells, and this is Union Strong. Joining me now on the podcast is Phil Stanglein, who's an organizer for Sheet Metal Workers Local Union 83. So, Phil, you and several members of your local and others from the building trades have been out on the streets over the past few months protesting various job sites. Yes, we have. Uh, and it's over the concern uh, of use of out-of-state contractors coming into the capital region of New York State. And I know the concern really is about the use of taxpayer dollars, right, being used to bring in these non-union workers to these construction sites. And it's really then eroding the wages and the quality of work in the area. Absolutely right. So to draw attention to some of these issues, you're using a, a really powerful tool. And that's what we want to talk about uh, today. It's used by labor organizations and it has been used for half a century. And that's the inflatable rodent known as Scabby the Rat. Yay, scabby. <laughs> so um, that's our subject, the history of, the purpose of, and now the attack of the rat. Yes. So can you describe, and I'm sure people listening, most people are going to know who the rat is, but you've used him enough that, can you describe in detail what scabby looks like? Give us a good picture. Sure. Well, good morning to everyone. And scabby is a menacing uh, rat, uh, very large. They can go up to 25 feet. Uh, it can be gray or different colors, but he's got that scabby pink belly and he's got the claws that stick out of his hands and fangs and red red menacing eyes so yeah he's he's quite the figure and that's deliberate right yeah, absolutely so um what about uh the purpose of scabby and the other characters because we can go into those a little bit too what's sure. the what's the main point of dragging this gigantic inflatable out there at these job sites well i guess two words it's effective um, I mean, if, to put it bluntly, uh, it's a we could stand out there all day with picket signs or handbills and people driving by would see our sign and maybe read it and not understand it. Um, but when they see the rat or the fat cat or the corporate pig, uh, it catches their attention, obviously, uh, to have this huge, you know, 12, 15, 20 foot balloon on the side of the road on a sidewalk. You know, so it gets their attention and, and, and it starts a conversation for people walking by. And so, um, you know, basically it's effective that way as far as getting public attention and as far as the people behind the fence mm -hmm. do not like to see that out in front of their job site. So what, is, what does it signify? What's the message? Uh, it signifies that there's a rat contractor working on that job. It could signify that um, mostly is what we use it for, that uh, it's not the workers that are in there. We're not saying that they're the rats. We're saying that the person who employs them is not paying them area wages and standards. And um, so we're we're after the contractor. And then so the fat cat, what's the fat cat look like? Uh, the fat cat is a big cat and he's got a cigar hanging out of his mouth. And uh, 
a, a vest on, a suit, maybe with money in his pocket, uh, lapel pocket. And uh, uh, he also has, uh, some of them have a money bag on one hand and they're, the other hand they're choking uh, a construction worker around the neck. So Okay, it's pretty graphic. <laughs> yes, it's graphic. And it's and meant it's, to be, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And so that represents the corporations, the billionaires, the people profiting from this. Yes. Uh, I, I can tell you a little story if you want to yeah, hear a little hint. Yeah, I'd love to hint. hear it, yeah. We had the, uh, I don't know if you want me to name names or anything like that. Oh, uh, maybe not right now. Okay, so we had, <laughs> we had the Fat Cat displayed here in Albany at a, in a prominent location. And uh, this was a couple of years ago, and there was a, uh, a um, nursery or daycare uh young children in a line walking by with their with their handlers oh, or people and they were walking by and of course they you know saw the fat cat and they were all excited some mm -hmm. of them and the one uh, little boy about three four years old looked up and said oh that's a money bag because he had the money bag in one hand and uh the teacher said yes that's a money bag and he goes he stole that oh beautiful <laughs> did you guys start applauding i said, <laughs> I said it. it's obvious to a four-year-old that's right and that's uh, why it's so important and effective so, yes that's so, a great story yeah so and then there's the pig there's the corporate pig that i guess that goes without saying i mean he, he's a pig with a cigar in his mouth and uh you know the vest and dressed like a like a uh, corporate pig. So what is it in, involved to try to get these things out? I mean, that's part of your job, right? You've got to bring these inflatables out to these job sites. What yes. does that entail? We'll get a little scabby first. That's the fat cat. Uh, it entails uh, some physical work, loading them up in your trucks or, um, or already having them in your trucks, but you need a generator, you need lead cords, you need um, gasoline uh, mm -hmm. can, mm -hmm. the, the, the bags of, of the inflatables themselves, um, whatever else you might need, uh, weights to hold them down. You can't always uh, attach them uh, you know, to, to objects, so you have to bring their own uh, weighted uh, items to hold them down so they don't blow away because mm -hmm. they are balloons. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, there's a lot to it. So do you, uh, like, do you have it, and it's in your personal possession? Is there some kind of warehouse? Like, what's that process? Well, like, okay, I, today I, it's coming out. we got to go. <laughs> Every local's different, uh, you know. So we, most of the locals around here have them, uh, the building trades, I'll say, uh, one or two or more. Uh, but we, they're probably stored. Ours are stored at our union hall. I might, I might keep it in my truck for four or five days, but mm -hmm. I might have to show up, uh, you know, um, at five thirty in the morning or five o'clock in the morning, load it up, I'll load all that stuff up, and go to wherever we're going. And we've seen them. What well, was most recently? We saw it at the Labor Day parade in the city, and I'm, I don't know if you used them in the parades around here. No, we did not use it in the parade around here. Because sometimes you actually transport them already blown up, right? Uh, I don't know if you do that here, but I have seen that in the city where it's kind of blown up and on its back. Yes, and, yeah, we could. You could put them on trailers. Yeah, you have to be careful with that. But I would imagine. Yeah. So, what about the reactions then of people? You talked about this little boy, which is right. great. But so, when people are driving by at sites, what happens? Uh, when people are driving, well, now in this day and age, with uh, everybody with their camera phones, they're mm. uh, you know they're hopefully honking the horn, but. Uh, a lot of times you see the people driving by, they've got their phone out the window and they're smiling and, you know, or laughing mm -hmm. and, uh, or somebody in the, somebody in the car is, is filming the rat. And, uh, that's, you know, it's nice to see that. 
Yeah, it's just another way for you to get the message out if yeah. it's it's a tool, you know, that Especially people are paying attention to. At this day and age, you know, you hopefully it's going up on their Facebook page or their right. social media page if they have one and they're gonna share it out and people may not you know, I mean, they, they don't know the story, but mm -hmm. it's getting out there anyway. Right. So it's creating that buzz. Somebody that sees it might know the story or might want to know about the story. Right. So, so as we, uh, we're going to talk in a little bit to um, an attorney to talk about the um, attacks of the rat and yes. the attempts to silence the rat, the NLRB. Um, are you concerned about that? Uh, uh, absolutely uh, concerned about it. Uh, there's a reason why there's a, an attack on it. But like I said before, it's effective. It works. And uh, the people behind the fences, the people uh, that are developing the projects do not like it. They do not like that kind of publicity. Um, so uh, we've had several instances where we could be picketing for a day or two and uh, nobody even cares. And then mm -hmm. you blow up the rat and put it out underneath their sign out front on the fence and all of a sudden you have a meeting. A whole different story. Yeah, it's a whole different story. And, and sometimes they beg you not to put it up. Um, sometimes they tell you, you know, well, you were, you know, we didn't, everything was going fine until you blew up that rat. And I'm quoting some contractor right now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then it's like, oh, that bothered you. Right. So very good. So thank you for that Mission information. Mission accomplished. I shouldn't so, say um, that on a podcast. <laughs> so let me ask you this then. What would be your message to anyone who might be listening to this, who sees one of these inflatables? What do you want them to do? Oh, first of all, honk the horn. Uh, we love the support. It, it keeps us going out there on the picket line. You don't know if anybody cares about what you're doing and, and you're not... Uh, you know, you're not just trying to be a jerk. You're trying to raise awareness to uh, the, the lowering of our wages and standards. I think any worker out there that um, the job that they're in, if they're experienced and they're good at doing it, if someone walked in the office for half the pay and, and sat down and took their job and, and they were out on the street, they would they would be upset. And that's basically what happens to construction workers all over the all over the country and, and right here in Albany. Uh, in New York State. So um, especially when you see tax dollars given to these developers that say they need them, but mm -hmm. then, then they, they use those tax breaks and incentives and dollars to undermine your wages and standards. So uh, we definitely love the support of the people honking, the people taking the pictures, uh, the, the people that pass by on the street walking. They, you know, some of them want to get their picture taken. Everybody notices it, obviously, but a lot of people want to get their picture taken with the rat inside, you know, inside mm -hmm. its belly there. And uh, uh, <laughs> whatever works. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, we appreciate it. We, you know, definitely need the support. We're out here fighting for the workers. Um, and that's uh, what we're what it's all about. Well, thank you, Phil. I appreciate you taking the sure. time. And I won't say we look forward uh, to seeing the rat because that means there's bad stuff going yeah, on. But if we do see it, yeah, we'll be supporting it 100%. But yeah, it is an effective tool, and we're very uh, concerned about, um, you know, them trying to take it away. We mm -hmm. know why they're trying to take it away, because it is effective. And, and Peter Robb, the head of the NLRB, is uh, that seems to be one of his main goals, uh, because he knows it works. All right, Phil. And we're going to be talking to a labor attorney who has been at the forefront of the NLRB case next. Thanks, Phil Stengelein. Thank you. Thanks for having me. The fact that Scabby the Rat and other inflatables are such a powerful tool for organized labor is likely the exact reason why they're now the subject of a legal battle. Protesters is at the center of a legal debate. The rat is often placed outside work contract sites to shame owners, spotlight grievances, 
Now a claim states the labor movement's use of inflatable balloons is illegal. And national at the forefront of a case before the National Labor Relations Board is Tamir Rosenblum, who is the general counsel for the Mason Tenders District Council of Greater New York and Long Island. Tamir, thank you for joining us on the Union Strong podcast. Thank you, Darcy, for having me on the podcast. So let's start with the case that's currently before the NLRB. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So case before the NLRB involves a protest that is very much like the kind of protest that Local 79 and our other affiliated locals engage in quite frequently. It is a situation where there's some non-union construction going on, and the local has put up an inflated rat um, outside of a shopping center, a, a shop right where um, which the owner um, of the construction site or the, of, the, of the new building um, also has an interest. And there's no effort to stop workers. And um, we've been doing this consistently um, for, I, I started here um, in the early 2000s, and um, while we had some pushback under the Bush administration, um, the Trump administration has come in and said that the mere presence of our symbol of a rat, and by the way, we also had a cockroach, um, is coercive. And they actually went to federal court, um, which is really the first time that um, the NLRB has tried to do this. They went to federal court to enjoin us from putting that symbol up. So, um, or, so you, did you have to take it down yet? We did not. So actually, well, the bad news may be that uh, we've had this um, case brought against us. Um, we had a very good series of hearings and a great decision issued by a federal judge that really scolded the um, the Trump general counsel um, for even bringing this case um, and uh, held that it, it had not even been a reasonable um, case to bring. I mean, that, that's how strong the decision was. Mm-hmm. Uh, found that it was First Amendment protected, that they had um, no good faith basis for trying us to get us to take down the rat and, and the uh, inflated cockroach. Um, that has not deterred the Trump general counsel from continuing um, to pursue the case. So um, the next step for them is to bring it to a hearing in front of an administrative law judge um, I'm a little bit chagrined that they did not go forward on our case, but have put that um, on hold as they pursue a very similar case um, that's come out of the uh, Philadelphia NLRB region. So right right now, um, to this day, we have our protest going on. Mm-hmm. Um, we did not change any of our activity. Um, we have a, a judge's decision saying it was First Amendment protected, and we know we're going to have to get back engaged um, after a decision is reached um, in the internal board process on the case coming out of Philadelphia, which, to be honest, I'm not hopeful that the uh, the Trump um, NLRB appointees um, are going to issue a decision which is First Amendment compliant. I have a a feeling it's going to be god-awful. And this really shows how effective these tools are with these inflatables, right? I mean, these contractors or um, corporations with these stores, they do not want that out there in front of their, their business. I, you know, I I think that that is a sort of silver lining here, right? That uh, people would go to to this extent uh, to try to keep it from showing up. I think that the, the idea that these uh, mall owners or, or other establishments have is they want to have people have this curated shopping experience. 
and they don't want people to have any consciousness of the actual blood, sweat, and tears about how uh, the things that show up at malls get produced. So there's there's a very you know funny photograph that was an exhibit of all of the you know signs that the uh, Shoprite has up of cheap bananas, and then you have our, our rat facing off against the cheap banana, cheap banana signs, and they don't want people to, to think those thoughts, and that's really what's going on here. And they will go to whatever means necessary to uh, you know make it look to folks that is a lovely experience to get the products and, and really should care and think about uh, the conditions of work that make that possible. So this isn't, you touched on this a little bit, it's not the first time that there's been this kind of challenge to Scabby or the fat cat or the, the ro- cockroach. There's a little bit of history yeah. here, right? There is, and I think it's an interesting history. So I was involved with it going back to the early 2000s, um, and that was an effort under the, the Bush board. Um, you know, I, I never thought I would be complimenting them for having been more sophisticated than, than another subsequent administration. But at that time, they took the position, um, and I kid you not, that the inflated rat itself um, caused a reaction among union construction workers where they would see it and their minds would just sort of shut down and they would turn around and go home. Um, and so it was sort of coercive in the sense that um, working people couldn't think rational thoughts in, in the face of this object. Um, okay. They cited one piece of evidence, which was a Sopranos episode. Um, it was my sense that the reason the shop the, the the job shut down in the Sopranos episode had more to do with Tony Soprano than the inflated rat. Get him the hell out of here. Is there a problem? Look, you made your point, okay? I made my point. You made your point. What point is that? Enough with this work stoppage. This is a union safety official, and he stays until the union the, deems I, it, it was an episode in which the there's a, a, a flatbed truck shows up on a job site with you know one of the Soprano characters, and they actually had gotten um, a local to like lend them the rat for the scene, and there's a rat on the back of the truck, and that and just the job gets shut down. Okay, and, and they literally, I kid you not, they cited that in the general counsel memo. On, on this was it also the first case came out of our office. Um, it was a uh, Kaleo construction was the name of the case. Um, and that was cited as evidence of what the rad means. Um, and they, I won't, it won't go to all the details, but they, they never actually tried to go to court to get an injunction the way the Trump board just did against us. And even when the case finally reached, and it was a different case, but the same kind of facts reached the National Labor Relations Board panel itself, um, they kind of ducked from finding the rat to be an illegal symbol. But they, they also throughout had this sort of, you could almost call it a theory of the case, which was that you know, the rat had this very sort of, you know, special reaction that it caused among construction workers. Um, the Trump board is far more reckless than that. Um, we had a, a cockroach up um, there is no theory they offer as to why a cockroach is any particular symbol. Um, their position really is that the only kind of protest that a union can engage in um, outside what's called a, a second, I mean, a secondary dispute that is where we're not complaining about the actual employer of construction workers or of workers at, at issue is mm-hmm. one that involves leaflets. So I, 
assume you know that, that that should alarm people that our government would be saying that the only form of protest the First Amendment allows unions in these circumstances is one that where the message is articulated on eight and a half by eleven paper. <laughs> this may sound absurd to people. I, I kid you not. This is what wow. the general counsel's position was in the case in July. And so that, you know, brings me to this. It's important to point out, right, that it's not an isolated issue, that the ramifications would go far beyond organized labor. I really think that is what is so important here. And, and I, you know, we've really tried to get the message out more broadly that what they are trying to do here, it's no coincidence that it comes first against organized labor, because I think they recognize us as really you know, the biggest threat to the commercial interests that they're pursuing, but that what their theory is here is that we'll put up a balloon, we'll yell chants, we'll just do what Americans are allowed to do. Mm-hmm. And and we say certain words and there's nothing threatening about them and our symbol goes up and it's it's not particularly scary. Mind, mind you, in the United States, there's a Supreme Court case that says that the burning cross is presumptively unthreatening. Um, so, you know, that this is the standard that, that's out there. Mm-hmm. And their theory here is that an administrator, a bureaucrat within the National Labor Relations Board system was allowed to interpret those symbols for us, that she was allowed to give evidence to a court that she knows best what this stuff means, and that notwithstanding all evidence to the contrary, this means don't work here. And as a result, the court needed to enjoin us from having the symbol up. That is not a theory that is limited to labor. If, if our government is in a position to take whatever we say, even though on the face of it, it's not violent, it's not threatening, and say that is not what you meant, then it, then a Black Lives Matter protest could occur, and they could have a, a, a symbol which is non-threatening, and the government could, could come and say, oh, no, 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 I mm-hmm. know what that means. That mm-hmm. means kill cops. And that, and that, would, that protest would come down. Right. That, that game can be played on any peaceful demonstration in the public square, and it literally would mean the First Amendment is 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 just just of no help to us anymore because the government can just make up the meaning of words and tell us what we that they think we really mean and that we are having illegal illegal intentions and thoughts so that that's what we're up against and you know I think we got a little attention to this on a broader scale I, I don't think enough and I think it's sort of a typical thing that, that we as labor confronted sometimes we're the guinea pig of some of these new um, you know really oppressive measures that the government tries to take to shut down dissent and you know we're, we're in a way this has been a good thing for us because it's been able it's given us some chances to get our message out there and um, you know hopefully people take notice that this is really scary stuff and, and certainly we that the Mason tenders at 79 are just, you know, hell-bent on continuing to fight it. You know, we're still out there at the Staten Island Mall. Um, and, you know, if, if a case comes in tomorrow, we'll be fighting it the same way we fought it um, when this one came in uh, earlier this year. And your final thoughts, Tamir? I mean, how, how, do you, how are you feeling about it? How are you feeling about our case? Look, I, I got to say that I, I was really uplifted by the both the hearings in front of the federal judges of the Eastern District of New York um, and the decision um, that was issued by Judge Garofis, um ultimately that 
as much as I think the positions this government takes are just astonishing and reckless, that um, there's institutions that still understand what the First Amendment means, understand the importance of labor um, in bringing messaging about what goes on in the economy and what happens to working people. And do I fully expect that the Trump board is going to issue a a just awful decision that condemns labor speech. I, I, I would be shocked if otherwise. Mm-hmm. But that's not what they call self-enforcing. That, that doesn't mean that the next day we take down the rat. That means they have to go to a federal court and they have to get a federal court to issue a decision which just torpedoes the First Amendment. And, and I'd like to believe they're going to have trouble doing that. Okay, good. Well, we'll certainly um, bring this to the attention of as many people as we can. As you said, I mean, it's really uh, the ramifications do go go quite far. It it is alarming. They really do, Darcy. They they they're they're really important. And you know, I've heard some of your prior podcasts talking about the you know additional um, just support and 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 positive response people have to unions. And I'm and I'm hopeful that. This round, unlike in the early 2000s when this happened to us and really nobody paid attention to it, mm-hmm. that, that this is going to help people understand that we're really fighting the fight that is all Americans fight. Well, Tamir Rosenblum, we are fo- following the case closely, as I mentioned, and thank you so much for taking the time to go through it with uh, such detail with us. We appreciate it. My, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Joining me now on the podcast is our digital director, Kevin Eitzman. Hi, Darcy. And also the engineer behind the program. Mm. And so it was part of that responsibility. You were up bright and early getting uh, up close and personal to Scabby the Rat. To, yeah, 5.30 a.m. meeting uh, Phil Steinlein from the, the sheet metal workers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it really gives you a perspective when you're out talking to the people that are fighting for these good local jobs and that are relying on the rat to, to help get the message across. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were on a highway at six o'clock in the morning and people are flying by 60 miles an hour. They can't read a, a leaflet. Yeah. Very, uh, very good point. They can't read an gonna... eight by 12, you know, leaflet mm-hmm. that you're handing out, but, but if they see the rat, they beep, they know that there's something happening at this job site with unions that is not good for working people. And this is, uh, as we talked a little bit with uh, Tamir and with, and with Phil, it is so far-reaching. So people really should be watching this closely. Um, so I know that you're going to include some information uh, on our on our um, podcast at the end so that people can learn more about this. Yeah, we'll have the judge's decision and we'll mm-hmm. have updates uh, on what's happening and keep everybody informed going forward on all our social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, definitely stay up to date with us and we'll let you know where the case is and, and what's happening. Great, thanks. Thanks for listening to the Union Strong podcast. If you like what you're hearing, you can subscribe and give us a rating. This has been a production of the New York State AFL CIO. Our president is Mario Salento. Our secretary treasurer is Terry Melvin. We're a federation of 3,000 unions representing 2.5 million union members, retirees, and their families with one goal to raise the standard of living and quality of life of all working people. We keep New York State unions strong by fighting for better wages, better benefits, and better working conditions. For more information on the labor movement in New York, visit nysafl.cio.org. Until next time, stay union and stay strong.